0: Well, good morning again, everyone. Morning. It is lovely to see so many people in church this morning. Uh, so this morning, we're continuing on in Matthew's gospel in our series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is on the mountain. He's speaking to the crowds. And right at the very beginning in Matthew chapter 5, we read, Seeing the crowds, he went up the mountain, and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. Now, within the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is teaching about the qualities which not only define the character of God, but also those that define the qualities that Christians should possess and strive to live by. What we read are words that are preserved for us so that we can know God's heart for us, so that we can not only live life, but live life to its fullest. This is God's plan for us. He is not teaching and speaking just to the people that were on the mountain that day. He is also leaving instructions that are relevant topics for us as his people today. So I want to briefly look at Matthew chapter 5 this morning, where Jesus is explaining the idea of oaths and swearing. Now, when we read this passage, it is important that we understand what oaths and swearing meant back in Jesus' day, because we don't really say, use that same wording today. And what we interpret these words to mean today don't hold the same influence or clout that they once did back in biblical times. Things have changed, words have changed, thinking has changed. So we live in a culture where swearing is part of everyday life, don't we? Everywhere we go, you hear people swearing. We go into the shops, we hear it. We switch on the TV, we hear it. We listen to the lyrics of some songs and we hear it. Depending on who is talking, words that we have been taught to be wrong or bad words, just roll off the tongue freely. Sadly, swearing has just become part of everyday language. But what about swearing an oath? It can be a necessity at times. This is not the same as swearing or bad language as we know it. Sometimes swearing an oath is required. So maybe in court, if you're standing in court and you're told you need to swear on the Bible to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. Maybe at a wedding. We have our marriage vows and part of the ceremony we promise to love, honour and, some people say obey, I prefer cherish. Love, honour and cherish. People swear allegiance to a particular country. So, for example, in America, they say, I pledge allegiance to the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands. Now, this is what all Americans are taught from a very early age and are expected to memorise and recite many times during their lifetime. Or what about the swearing an oath to the King of England, which happened yesterday? Difference of opinion there. Well, the pledging of allegiance that I prefer is to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb with all my strength, with all I am. I will seek to honour his command. I pledge allegiance to the Lamb. Now oaths in biblical times, swearing an oath is not that common to us today, but in biblical times an oath was a sacred, voluntary promise given in order to give your words credibility, to make them sound more important. The truth was always guaranteed by an oath. So instead of just saying yes or no, they wanted to fortify that answer even further to let people know how serious they were about their words. An oath is a solemn promise to indicate that we are telling the truth. It is given to add emphasis to our words. Words alone really don't carry much weight, so we need to add a higher authority to prove that what we're speaking is the truth. Have you ever heard anyone saying, I swear on my life, Or I swear to God or I swear on the Bible this is to give what they are saying more credibility because let's be honest words really don't mean a whole lot these days talk is cheap people say one thing and they do another and they don't keep their word and sometimes go back on what they say they're going to do now in our society having to swear or make an oath when we're talking to me shows a weakness in the person's word itself. Mm. Having to swear or make an oath demonstrates that there's not enough weight in their own character to confirm what they say or confirm their words. Sometimes we can talk, be talking and genuinely telling the truth, but our words are simply not believed. No matter how hard we try, because we live in a society where people lie. You don't, you just don't know who is telling the truth. Now, when I was a child, there was a saying, and when you were definitely telling the truth to your friends, you would say, cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. Have you heard that one? Mm -hmm. Or what about a pinky promise? Did you ever make a pinky promise? Now, I pinky promise to be your best friend forever. And you cannot break a pinky promise as a child it's the law or maybe like me you were a bit of a tomboy and before you made a deal you spat in your hand before shaking hands and that was to seal the deal so these are outwards expressions used to seal the deal when i was wee i was quite mischievous i know it's very hard to believe but Out of all of my siblings, I was the one who always seemed to find trouble and to get into trouble. I was the one who used the china teacup to dig holes in the garden. I was the one that poked my finger in the nicely decorated cake. I was the one who kept picking at that little piece of wallpaper that was coming off till the full strip came off the wall. I wasn't a cheeky or a bad child, but I was mischievous. Now, when my mum raised her voice and gave me the look, have you ever had the look? Yes, many of us has. And you know you're in trouble when you get the look. And I started to cry and I would say to her, I promise I won't do it again. I cross my heart, I won't do it again. So even as a child, I was adding emphasis to my words, hoping that my mum this time would believe me and know that I was telling the truth. When actually I was hoping that I would only get hit once with the wooden spoon rather than twice for doing it. But now that we're grown up, we no longer use pinky promises or cross our hearts. But people support their words with oaths. This is why people swear by things that are greater than themselves. I swear to God. I swear on the Bible. God is a stable, secure person to base our words off even people who are not believers know this the bible is god's word so what could be greater to swear by this is what people did in the old testament in those days if you made a verbal oath you had to keep that oath especially if in that oath you made reference to god your word was your bond The respect that the Jewish people had for God's law was so great that they couldn't have got anything or anyone higher to swear an oath by. You knew that if someone had sworn an oath to God, that their word could be trusted. Now, the religious leaders of the time, the scribes, the Pharisees, they knew this. And so in order to swear by something great enough to fortify their words, But still have the ability to bend the rules slightly in their favour. We're told that instead of swearing on God's name, they started swearing on godly things. They swore by the temple or the gold that was in the temple. They swore by the altar or the offering that was on the altar. They used everything else to swear on except God's name because they knew that if they brought God into it, that it was binding and you couldn't break that oath. They knew that God then became a partner in that transaction if you used his name. You see, the Pharisees were creating a system where there was wiggle room in their oaths and the things that they said. They were creating loopholes. beginning beginning to create a system that they could lie. Because an oath made in God's name couldn't be broken, but lesser oaths, they could be broken. If God's name wasn't mentioned, then he had no part in that transaction, or so they thought. Of course, people followed in the footsteps of the religious leaders because they were the leaders of the time. This is why in Matthew 5, Jesus is trying to fix the way that people are talking and thinking. In verse 33, Jesus is saying, I know that you've heard this, and I know that you've been taught this, but I'm telling you to do this. He was correcting the wrong that had been done and putting his people back on the right track. So what was the purpose of an oath in the Old Testament? Well, let me give you two examples. Firstly, it was used um, to say, as a seal of agreement. Someone might say, well, how can I trust you? Well, let's take an oath. I will swear by a higher power than me and you can be in no doubt that I am trustworthy. Or how do you know that someone will do what they say they're going to do? Well, they made an oath. If they swore on it, it would be done. Secondly, it was used to settle a dispute So maybe if you had two farmers that were trying to water their animals at the well, there was only one well and they were fighting over who went first. Well, whoever built that well would swear an oath to say, I built it. And he would be the one that would be able to water his animals first. So if there was an oath involved, there was no doubt. Today we don't make verbal oaths. Nowadays, we just get an expensive lawyer to draw up a contract. But what Jesus is trying to tell us in this passage, well, to put it plainly, human beings are not just that good at keeping their word. We exaggerate. We want attention. We tell partial truths. We lie. Have you ever listened to someone telling a story and thought to yourself, I doubt that's the whole truth. And I think there could be another story out there that's maybe a little bit more truer. If the person telling the story is known to exaggerate or lie, people will not believe anything that comes out of their mouth. The damage is already done. The reputation has preceded them. But God knows our human weakness and our sinful nature. In the Old Testament, God encourages oaths. Deuteronomy 1:20 says, "You shall fear the Lord your God, you shall serve him and in him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. So making an oath was actually encouraged. but knowing that his people were prone to lie, to cheat, to sin, he wanted to set his people apart as Christians to be distinct. He encouraged people to speak the truth in his name. That would bring help help to uh, higher authority into their language and encourage them to have to keep their word because they were swearing on his name. You couldn't dishonor God by going back on your word. He was saying, if you're going to bring the name of God into your oath, you'd better be speaking the truth. Now, what was discouraged was to take an oath and not fulfill it. Leviticus 19.12 says, And you shall not swear by my name falsely, nor shall you profane the name of, the, of, of your God. I am the Lord. Don't bring the name of the Lord into an oath if you're not going to keep up your end of the bargain. Now, jump to the New Testament. Jesus is now saying, I know you've been told this in the past, but I'm telling you now. You have no need to swear an oath at all. There's no need to swear an oath. The Pharisees have been creating this system where they were getting away with lies. They were still being believed because they were making an oath, but they were not having to use the name of God in the process. You see, the, the Pharisees were conniving and manipulating. Okay, so we can't swear on the name of God, But maybe our higher power that we can swear by could be heaven or earth or Jerusalem or ourselves. Here, we're important. We are Pharisees, we could swear by ourselves. We can swear by godly things and it'll do the same job job, with no repercussions. They were rubbing their hands together. They thought they had hit the jackpot. They were trying to have their cake and eat it and have the best of both worlds. They were allowing God to be part of some things, but not allowing him to be part of others. So they were creating spaces where God was not invited to. Well, Jesus puts a stop to that in verse 34. But I tell you, do not swear an oath by at all, either by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. Okay, you want to swear by heaven? You think that's going to keep out God? (laughs) Heaven is God's throne. You want to swear by earth? Will that keep God out? Not at all. That is God's footstool. So you want to swear by Jerusalem? That will keep God out. Well, actually, he's the king of that city. Oh, so you want to swear by yourselves. You are so important. Well, just who do you think you are? You can't even make one hair on your body black or white. Jesus is explaining that there's nothing in this world that doesn't belong to God. And whether God is actually named or not, that doesn't matter because God is already a part of it. He is already there. We are sometimes like that too. We think that we can include God at this gathering, but not include him at this gathering. We can invite God to this party, but he can't come to this party. No, that's not for Jesus' eyes. Well, let me tell you, friends, there is no space that we can create to keep God out. He is above all and he is in all. And if we think other words otherwise, we are seriously deluding ourselves. The last verse in the, in the passage says, all you need to say is simply yes, or no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Our character tells the world what kind of person we are. Our actions and speech should let the the world know whether we are a child of God or not. Because whether we like it or not, people watch us. People watch other people. People see how we live. They see what we do. And in my experience, people particularly watch Christians, just waiting for them to slip up so that they can maybe throw the Christian card at them. We are always being watched. Our actions portray the kind of person that we are. So we need to keep our actions and our attitudes in check and in line with how God expects us to conduct ourselves. Because our lives as Christians should make an imprint on the people around us. In this fallen world, that imprint that we need to be needs to be a Jesus imprint. How we speak, how we act, how we behave should set us apart um, from others so that people will know that we are Christians. Leaving an imprint means that we leave the person that we're speaking to in a different way that we find them. The other week I put all of Mia's white school shirts in the washing machine at the same time. All of them. Now what I didn't realise is that I had also put a pair of black jeans in with the white shirts. So yes we ended up with grey white shirts and had to make a quick visit the next morning to ASDA. But you see, the jeans had left that imprint on the white shirts. It's the same with us as Christians. When we spend time with other people, we need to leave an imprint. We need to share the love and compassion that has been shown to us with others. We need to enrich them with the good news of the gospel and tell them that they are deeply loved. We need to embrace those who are who need embraced and love on those who need loved. We need to leave a Jesus imprint on their lives. We need to do things that our Father in heaven wants us to do. We follow in his example, and he always speaks the truth. First John 1 and 5 says, God is light, and in him there is no darkness. We can trust God. Wholeheartedly, because in him there is no darkness, only light. We know that, unlike us as, as humans, God will never lie to us. In fact, Hebrews 6 and 18 tells us that is, is, it is impossible for God to lie. He is faithful. Even today, when it looks like our world is falling apart and maybe we feel discouraged, God is still faithful. God is still on the throne and God is still keeping his word. We need to make sure that what we say or the way that we, we say things doesn't give someone a valid reason to doubt us. We shouldn't need to swear on something to make people believe us. The way we speak, act and behave should be a clear indicator of our Christian faith. The way that we live our lives should be of such a manner that people automatically believe us whenever we tell them something. Yes means yes and no means no. No need for oaths, for pinky promises, for crossing our hearts. We need to let our integrity be our credibility. When we accept Jesus as our saviour, he writes his law on our hearts. He puts his spirit inside us. And we desire to do the things that our Father in Heaven wants us to do. We are His children and choose to follow in His ways. So let's let our integrity be our credibility. And as we leave church this morning and face another week, let's leave Jesus' impressions, Jesus' imprints on every person that we meet Let's just pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your lessons today and we thank you for your guidance and for your love. Help us to live for you. And just as you have left an imprint on our lives, help us to leave a Jesus imprint on the lives of everyone that we meet. Our world needs you. Be with us as we conclude our service and face another week. Help us to be your disciples in this broken world. For we ask it in your name. Amen. Amen. I'll ask the praise band to come forward. And we're going to conclude our morning service with a song that may be new to some of you. If you know it, sing it out. If you don't, just listen to the words. They are beautiful, beautiful words.